đời sông núi anh em ta đáp đời sông núi quyết bảo vệ sang sang ta thể chết cho quê hương at host my radio it's on on every monday and every friday and host my radio welcome to the show thank you Welcome to the 217th episode of Team Camel My Radio today. Happy Monday and happy Labor Day. Hopefully, hopefully I can give out to um, shout out to all of the you know workers that work their butts off to make this country better and the people who actually contribute to our society because without them we would have not been strong as we are today and workers rights are one of the biggest importance that we are in America today because everybody should have rights they're just like they're humans and not robots I can guarantee you that there's many you know workers out in the around world that are literally paid up pennies and not being paid enough and many of them being you know being discriminated by the employers so hoping that around the world hopefully the government can give the workers more time and give them taking rest and holidays because they work so hard they work to the very bone and it's time to give them at least some well-deserved rest and some well-deserved protection even then the government cannot do much about it but we people can give that kind of help to the workers that needed our help and hoping hoping that everyone here are doing something what you want to do on on labor day doesn't matter what you're doing maybe hanging out with family whatever there's a lot we're going to be talking about today and hopefully we can try to not railroad through hopefully we can continue on and there's an event coming up pretty soon, which is Club Expo, which is this Wednesday. I hope you guys can come out our table. We'll talk more about our group. And make sure you tune in every Monday and Friday for our podcast. Let's start off with Pope Francis. Pope Francis offers a parent gesture to China during a visit to Mongolia. Pope Francis appeared to seek to reassure China on Saturday using a gathering of Catholic missionaries in Mongolia to state that governments had not had none to fear from the Catholic Church. The comments came during the first um, papal visit to the youngest democracy sandwich between China and Russia, where the 86-year-old pontiff ha- has um, has hoped not only to encourage the tiny Catholic community, but also use his presence at China's back door to to try to improve the Vatican's relations with Beijing. Governments and secular institutions have learned to fear from the church work of evangelism, uh, evangelization, for she had for she has no political agenda to advance," said the eighty-six, eighty-six year pontiff during an address at Saint Peter's and Paul Cathedral in the Mongolian capital Ulaanbaatar. The church, the church's message. Uh, mercy and truth is meant to promote the good of all, he said. And visiting the landlocked nations of Mongolia, a former Soviet satellite state that has been a democracy since 1992, which is the year when the Soviet Union collapsed, the Argentinian Jesuit 
has had one eye on geopolit- um, geopolitics, even as the even as the, vi- the visits fulfills his desire to reach out to remote, largely ignored areas far from Rome. Beijing's Communist Party is wary of the Catholic Church on its territory and exercise strict control over all recognized religious institutions. The Holy See renewed a deal last year with Beijing, allowing both sides a say in appointing bishops in China, a move critics call a dangerous Vatican concession in exchange for a pres- um, presence in the country. Beijing has never extended an invitation for Francis to visit. The apparent message to China came on Francis' second day in Ulaanbaatar, where where earlier Saturday he was met, he was fed with an official welcome ceremony that includes a a phalanx of Mongolian horsemen and metal armor parading past the state palace. He waved to a crowd of more than a thousand people on the side of Pre- President Ognakrosuk um, in front of a massive bronze statue of Genghis Khan, calling himself a pilgrim of friendship. Francis extolled the virtues of the country, including its nomadic people, respectful of the delicate balance of the ecosystem. He said Mongolia's shamanist and and Buddhist traditions of living in harmony with nature can contribute significantly to the urgent and no longer deferrable efforts to protect and preserve planet Earth. But while praising the country for its religious tolerance and pacifist foreign policy, he warned that corruption was the fruit of utilitarian and unscrupulous mentality that has impoverished whole countries. Again, underscoring the benefits of organized religions, he said they can represent a safeguard against the insidious threat, uh, threat of corruption, which effectively represents a serious menace to the development of any human community. Magor has been marred by corruption and environmental degradation in recent years with its capital suffering from some of the world's worst air quality and an embezzlement scandal sparking street protests last year. Vast swathes of the country's territory also at risk of de- um, desertification due to climate change, overgrazing, and mining. In the vast of Supatar uh, Plaza, named for a Mongo- Mongol revolutionary hero, Many hope to catch a glimpse of the leader of the world's 103 billion Catholics. In the crowd was Mongolian Ankut Tar Dagvador, who said Francis seems a great seems a great person. He is indeed a global figure. Although Mongolians are Buddhist, it is lovely to receive a pope from Rome in our country. Also, he said, also his visit is very beneficial to our countries in many aspects. From reputation to the economy, he said. Many of the priests, nuns, and laymen administering to the 1,400-strong Catholic community in Mongolia turned out, turn out for a pope's afternoon address at the cathedral in which he had praised their missionary work. Francis' trip drew pilgrims from wider regions, including Chinese Catholics, with about a dozen waving the country's flag during the welcome ceremony Saturday, and others later unfurling a large flag outside the cathedral. Also making the trip was Stephen Chow, not the actor, Archbishop of Hong Kong, which is due to be named a cardinal later this month by Francis. AFP heard one Chinese visitor advising another not to speak to reporters 
for fear of trouble upon their return to China. But Bernard, Bernard told AFP that seeing people seeing the Pope was basically like seeing Jesus. There are a lot of Catholics in China who wanted to come, but they couldn't make it. So we feel quite blessed, the woman said. The Pope, who has a hernia operation in June, was gingerly taking steps with the king when not in the wheelchair. On, sa- on Sunday, his last full day before his departure Monday, Francis will lead an interreligious meeting and conduct mass and conduct mass inside a newly built ice hockey arena. I'm not saying that the Pope did back then about the um, you know the negotiations process you know talk basically allowing the renew- renewing deal last year. I don't know why it was a good idea to do it. Look, I have no problem with them trying to actually put in more effort, trying to get these guys to at least respect the religious. I mean, as a Chinese Communist Party, what would they, what would they respect to? Who would they respect to? They're not gonna respect anybody. Even if that would happen, what what would they respect? Because the Communist Party will always be the Communist Party. You can't change it. You can't do anything about it. Because the Communist Party will do whatever they want, and they will just sit there. They'll just let. They're basically when it fails, it fails. So basically, like who gives a frick, right? Who gives a crap about what's going on? They do what they do. If we if we well if we fail, we fail, right? Three Hong Kongers pled not guilty to inciting others to kill police officers and their families in 2019. Three Hong Kongers have pled not guilty to inciting others to kill police officers and their family members through messages shared in what in a WhatsApp group in 2019. Local media reported. Alfie Kwan, who is a 49 year old salesperson, Yip Tihing, a 30 year old personal trainer, and an owner of an engineering company, and John, Johnny Zhang, who's 50 years, who's 50 years old, appear in front of District Judge Kathy Chung at District Court on Monday. The trio has planned not guilty to two charges of incitement to cause grievous, grievous bodily harm with intent over messages that allege incited others to kill police officers or their families sent in a WhatsApp group containing around 100 people at the height of the 2019 protest. According to the persecutor, they were suspected of mentioning using a bomb to hurt police officers and issuing a bounty for killing officers in a WhatsApp group called Hong Kong Audi 5 Club on October 7, 2019. Two, po- two policemen in the group whose captured screenshots of those messages and sent them to colleagues for investigation appeared as persecution witnesses on Monday. Their discussion spread a hatred of the police while mentioning detailed ways to harm officers, the persecutors told the court. The messages were triggered by a video sent to the group, which showed security guards preventing police police from entering a shopping mall during a during the 2019 protest. Quan sent messages to the group including if the evil police were not out of control, ordinary people would not be out of control. Dozens of evil cops should die first, and no revolution is peaceful, according to the persecutor. Yep, meanwhile, said in the group, right now, no one is killing policemen or their wives and children. If any martyrs is willing to, I will definitely donate money to their family. John commented, those evil cops raped and, raped and killed others. I apologize for saying that word. Other, their deaths will not make up 
for the, all their crimes, the court heard. A total of 579 messages were sent to the groups in a discussion lasting around an hour and a half of the night on, of October 7, 2019, the court was told. The three defendants were arrested on, on December 31st, 2019 and were granted bail. Persecution said they called three witnesses, including the two policemen who captured screenshots of the WhatsApp group, and one expert witness, while the three defendants will testify later on and will call a witness as well. Of course, for my own opinion, that's ugly. I don't think it was a good idea to say those kind of things, but this is basically... I can see both sides, right? It's basically... You push them to the brink of that. That they end up going something as drastic and go something as much more you know, violent on that kind of thing. So for me, it's more of doing the time period because the government's pushed them. It's, they push them to the, to, the, to the corner. Push them to the cliff and once that happens, they're going to go off, right? Mainland flocked to Hong Kong for higher interest rates. Financial security and amidst growing economic wealth. After a journey of hundreds of miles from Henan province in north central China, Wang arrived in Tsim Tatui's branch of the China, of the Bank of China, Hong Kong, at 5:30 a.m. She managed to secure first place in the queue that has grown to nearly 60 people before the bank before the bank opens its door at 9 a.m. Like Wang. All those waiting in line on Tuesday last week spoke Mandarin, and all were there for the same purpose, to open new accounts amidst growing economic uncertainty in mainland China. We traveled with kids this summer and purchased insurance policies in Hong Kong. We had to set up a new bank, a new account to transfer money from the mainland to pay out insurance fees. Wang, in her 40s, told Hong Kong Free Press and Mandarin, she requested that her her surname only that only her surname be used. Over the past decade, savings insurance plans in Hong Kong has been seen a, as a way to transfer money out of the main of China for financial safety, life protections, and high interest rates. Some people paid the equivalent of hundreds of thousands of US dollars per year into such plans. Recently, there has been a, there have been a surge in mainland Chinese purchasing insurance in Hong Kong. According to the state's insurance authorities, new business premiums from mainland China visitors in the first half of 2023 were $31.9 billion, around 21% higher than the $26.3 billion in the first six months of 2019. Cindy, a Hong Kong insurance agent with over 10 years of experience, talked of the press that mainland China's weak post-pandemic economy and Beijing's tightening control over the market has left residents feeling unstable, unsafe, and insecure. She asked to use a synonym due to the sensitive nature of the topic. Mainland Chinese clients were, say, were setting up Hong Kong bank accounts before the pandemic. Most have also bought local insurance policies. They needed an, an account to pay regular fees, Cindy said. Recently, the motivation behind opening an account are more about access allocations and enhancing a sense of security. As a result, Hong Kong banks are seeing a growing numbers of mainland clients. On the Chinese social media site Shu, the hashtag opening, opening new accounts in Hong Kong has been trending with people providing guides on the procedures at various banks. 
a young programmer from Beijing who gave his surname as Chen, said he had, tra- he had traveled to Hong Kong to open an account in order to buy U.S. stocks. I don't know if buying U.S. stocks is a good idea, but okay. Buy some stocks, hopefully you don't waste it all for something. Hopefully buy the good stocks and don't buy the, buy the worst one. Chinese authorities have banned residents from exchanging U.S. stocks to online brokers, such as Hong Kong-based BrightSmart Securities since, since February. In May, Chinese brokers, including Futu, Futu Securities and Tiger Brokers, pulled their apps from, from the mainland Chinese markets. The Bank of, the Bank of China Hong Kong branch at, the China, at the China's Hong Kong City Commercial Complex is the most popular choice to open accounts as if it as is close to the both to both the high speed railway station and the ferry pier, providing direct links to several mainland cities. In recent months, people have been arriving as early as five AM to get a place in the queue since latecomers risk missing out on, on the branch daily quotas of sixty new accounts. Those who arrive in time can receive a bank a bank card the same day after submitting documents such as Chinese identity cards and proof of address. Many would be would be cust- would be customers have studied interest rates before heading to Hong Kong. Simon, who had arrived from Shenzhen's by high speed train to Hong Kong Press, he had had come to Hong Kong specifically to open an account. The trend has gained popularity recently, as time deposit interest rates are, h- are much higher in Hong Kong than in mainland in the mainland. A few of us came to set up accounts today, Simon, a student named Stan Mandarin. Hong Kong banks currently offer interest rates of around 4% for Hong Kong dollar time deposit, while large amounts and U.S. dollars see higher interest, see higher rates. In mainland China, time deposits offer less than 3%. The military-inspired hashtag deposit special forces has trended on Shahun Shu since Early this year, with people comparing the interest rates offered by different banks, and take and then taking high-speed trains across provinces to open new accounts, paying higher interest. Amidst heat on the discussion, they cite they cite several reasons for their urgency in opening new time deposits, including low confidence in the Chinese stocks and real estate markets, as well as falling interest rates, and on the on the mainland, the property industry. Which accounts for about three percent of China's gross domestic uh, product, have been in crisis since Beijing's implemented policies restricting developers' financing in 2020. Exports, another pillar of the Chinese economy, slumped in the second quarter of 2023. Beijing has cut interest rates three times since June to try to boost consumptions, leading to a continuous um, depreciations of the renminbi. Interest rates in Hong Kong, whose currency is pegged to the U.S. dollars, had risen in line with the United States. Chinese regulators have also reportedly asked insurance companies to lower the yield for um, for new investment products below 3% from July 31st in, in Hong Kong. Insurers usually provide, provide savings insurance with, a, with around 6% guaranteed interest. Cecilia, a Hong, a Hong Kong insurance agent serving middle class mainland professionals, said her clients have grown more anxious recently since May, 
an increasing increasing numbers have been inquiring about opening opening bank accounts in Hong Kong. The economy is experiencing a downturn. The central government wants people to cons- to consume instead of save. However, people are not consuming because they they feel insecure. Cecilia, Beijing announced that the consumer price index, the main gauge of inflation, fell zero point three percent in July, raising concerns that the second what the world's second largest economy was slipping into deflation. Cecilia said a laundry list of factors have fueled have fueled feelings of insecurity, such as strict COVID nineteen lockdowns and quarantine measures over the past three years. Crackdowns on various sectors, the recent move to stop publishing the youth employment rate, and the falling currency. Mainland Chinese have mixed feelings. They don't want to buy U.S. dollars worth of renminbi now because it will it will result in significant losses. They also think the depreciation will continue, and they have to sell renminbi as soon as possible. Silly sir. Excuse me. Mainland banks, however, restrict nationals to buying a maximum of $50,000 a year in foreign currency. They are not allowed to carry more than the equivalent of $5,000 in foreign currency when traveling abroad, including to Hong Kong. Purchasing large sum savings insurance plan through Union Pay Card was seen as a means of moving money out of the country, but Beijing tightening its grip over, over capital flows in 2016, banning people from buying, from buying non-consumption insurance policies through union pay. Some risk reallocating their money through, through underground banks, a financial area that has seen in Beijing's crosshairs earlier this month. Chinese authorities arrested the founder and CEO of an immigration agencies over an illegal agency exchange of foreign capitals. To cater for demand, some local bank branches have even extended opening hours and recruited more staff. However, Andy, a Hong Kong insurance agent who requests a pseudonym, told Hong Kong Press that Beijing's control make it difficult to move a lot of money to Hong Kong. Recently, a new trend is that clients are choosing to carry cash from the mainland to Hong Kong from time to time to allocate money. Hong Kong Free Press have reached out to the Bank of China Hong Kong branch, HSBC, and Standard Charter for comments and to inquire about up-to-date figures regarding the numbers of new accounts openings, but did not receive any responses. According to Hong Kong's Monetary Authority, banks in Hong Kong must conduct due diligence on customers and undertake other measures to comply with anti-money laundering laws when opening new accounts. Emily, surname, who works in the compliance, who works in compliance for a private bank, to Hong Kong professed that banks in the in the city were always accessible for non-local res- residents to open new accounts as long as enough documents were submitted. But in terms of due diligence and compliance audits, mainland China present more risk. She added, mainland clients have felt more and more insecure this year. The middle class is the most worried, says Celia, Cecilia, the insurance agent. The rich has already made plans to put their money in foreign countries. Now, 
China said that everything's doing good, everything's doing good, everything's doing good. I mean, you're looking at one factor, but what about the, everything else? Right? Look at everything else. Why aren't many people, why aren't many Hong Kongers? Why aren't many, many Chinese? Now, the, many, the Communist Party keeps saying that, oh, look at China, while well, economy is doing so well. If you're saying you're doing so well, why does your whole entire, why does many people, many corrupt officials and many people are moving the money out of this country? So, yeah, that doesn't mean, if they love it, if you say they love China so much, why are so many people leaving? That's the truth. Why are they still leaving? Because if, they, if they're leaving, then that's not good. And you're saying that, well, they're staying, well, maybe they're leaving because they want to move to somewhere else. No, they want, okay, I have a problem with that. Why are they why are they leaving? Is it because they don't want to deal with your crap? Is it because they don't want to, you know, deal because they're they're so pegged, they're so you know the Communist Party is controlling almost every because everything is controlled by everything, right? There's no way you can actually there's no way you can live in that kind of kind of conditions. Now, you may say. Well, everything. Well, everything's completely free, so I don't know why people would want to leave anyway. Why can't they just stay? <laughs> why can't they just stay? Now I gotta say to you is this: How, how much the economy is doing so well? If they're doing so well, why are they leaving? If it was me, I won't stay there either. So why would I stay there? Tropical cyclo- uh, cyclone Haiquei. Heads for southern China after double landfall in Taiwan. Typhoon Haiquei, top uh, top of hundreds of trees, damaged coastal roads, and dumped uh, torrential uh, torrential rains across Taiwan Monday, before it weakened in, in a, into a severe storm and headed for southern China. Haiquei was had initially appeared as a part of the island, but made a second landfall. Early Monday in in southwest Kaohsiung, before it was downgraded to to a severe tropical storm as it moved out of the Taiwan into the tri- Taiwan Strait. There were no there were no reports of deaths, but destruction was seen was seen in co- in coastal Taitung, a mountainous country in a less populated eastern Taiwan, where the storm directly hit the day before. I lived here for so long, and I've never seen such wind gusts. Um, Chen Haifeng, 55 years old, a village chief in Taitung Donghe Township, where he had, where he was in, er, with an early morning workroom removing trees from the road. Although Haikui is considered to be less severe, considered to be less severe than previous storms, Chen said it felt more pow- it felt more powerful. It came straight through us. Workers carefully maneuvered di- um, dig uh, diggers. To move to move down um, down tree branches, and electrical wiring that has snapped and splayed across the rain the rain drenched road. Further north in coastal Changbian townships, workers ferried massive concrete blocks to a coastal coastal highway that had partially collapsed from the force of waves slamming into it, hoping that they would absorb the impact. 
heavy orange-colored barriers was placed near the edge to prevent cars from skidding over, over on, skidding over on these slippery roads. Haikwei, the first typhoon landfall in Taiwan in four years, forced the evacuations of more than seven thousand people across the island, particularly from land from landslide-prone mountainous regions. Hundreds of flights were canceled and businesses were closed. More than 217,000 households temporarily lost powers through Sunday and overnight. By midday, Monday, 11,000 homes still had no electricity, while schools and businesses remained closed in 14 cities as torrential rain bucketed down. A forecaster with Taiwan's Central Weather Bureau said Haikwe initially appeared to track away from the island out to sea, but made a second landfall in Kaohsiung at around 4 a.m. During the night, the center of the typhoon was almost almost circling the port city, but as it moved along the coastline, the structure of the typhoon is damaged by the, by the terrain and gradually weakens, she said. By midday, the storm has moved southwest of Taiwan, outlying up island of Penghu, but was still bringing torrential rain and strong winds to the south and northeast. And picture it, a Huali... Huadin County, waterfalls cascade down the lush cliffs along Taiwan's east coast, while market vendors in Kilum, a north port city surrounded by mountains, braid deep rain to sell, sell fruits to, to raincoat-clad to rain shoppers. In Kaohsiung, the local government report hundreds of toppled trees and flooding dozens of locations, although the situation was easing as the storm departed and the weather conditions improved. Nearly 80 people injured, suffered injuries during the typhoons, according to authorities, though they were minor, most due to fallen trees and car accidents. Hoping these guys will stay safe, guys. So, Taiwan, stay strong. You guys are getting You guys are going to make it soon. I mean, it's great that no one died, but think about how awful it is to hear that kind of news that some people, some people had electricity being blown out. There's plenty of people. There's plenty of people around right now. I don't know how long that they're gonna their powers will be knocked out. Hopefully, they get the powers back on again. Cause I know a storm that there's plenty of storms around the world that literally will knock the power out, and they took them a week and they won't even turn on yet. Hong Kong civil servants joined Super Typhoon Sala cleanup efforts as, as 86 injured and 1,500 trees failed by storm. Classes for the new school year began on Monday after being delayed last week by Super Typhoon Sala as Hong Kong assessed the damage inflicted by the storm that battered the city last Friday and Saturday. At least 86 people were injured and more than 1,500 trees succumbed to strong winds. With government employees enlisted to help with the city-wide clear-up on Sunday. A little over 24 hours after the Hong Kong Observatory canceled all wet storm warnings last Saturday, as Sala departed, the Observatory raised the standby signal number one at 4:40 a.m. on Monday, as another ty- uh, tropical cyclone Haikwei entered within 800 kilometers of Hong Kong. The warnings would remain in place for most of the day, according to Choi Chum Wing, the observatory acting senior scientific officer, 
said on an RTHK program on Monday. 86 people sought medical treatment at public hospital for injuries received during Saula, which warranted the state's highest storm warnings, Hurricane Signal Number 10, according to a government's press release on Saturday. Additionally, 520 people took refuge at 40 temporary shelters across the city opened by the Home, Depart- Home Affairs Department. Government Department receives 1,545 reports of falling trees, while the Drainage Service Department confirmed 21 cases of flooding and, a t- and two reports of landslide were received. Sala also postponed the start of the new school year from, fr- from last Friday to Monday. The Education Bureau announced a day before Sala's arrival that all kindergartens, primary, and secondary schools would suspend class last Friday. Speaking at a, second, a secondary school on Monday, the Education Secretary, Christine Choi, said in Cantonese that some schools had experienced flooding and damage to the windows as a, as a result of Sala. Civil servants from several departments joined cleanup operations on Sunday as part of the government-wide mobilization mechanism. The Home and Youth Affairs Bureau said in a press release on Sunday. Chief Executive John Lee approved the deployment of about 100 staff in the Legal Aid Department, the Rating and Valuation Department, and the Trade and Industry Department to provide assistance across the city. The Assistant and in retur- in Returning and in- in Returning Elderly Residents from the Temporary Shelter shelter to to care homes, removing sandbags and clearing roads. The, Depart- the Development Bureau and the Department under its pur- purview include including tree management departments and the building departments helped removing signboards with obvious dangers and handling roadside trees at risk, according to the Bureau's Facebook post on Sunday. This is an example of what the government should be doing. They're not sitting in their office. No, I'm not trying to sit in their office and try to go. Okay, let's talk about national security. Not that's not a time you should be talking about that. You should be talking about how to improve your your PR for right now. China's Premier Li Chang will lead its will lead its G20 delegations, not Xi Jinping. Premier Li Chang will lead China's delegations to the G20 summit in India this weekend. I can get my charger. And in, in India this weekend, Beijing said Monday, but all but conf- all but confirm confirming Chinese leader Xi Jinping will snub the meeting of the world's large world's biggest economies. Speculation and media reports have swirled for the past week that she that she would snub the event, but China has remained silent on the issue. U.S. President Joe Biden has said he would be disappointed to see Xi skip the gatherings of world leaders in New Delhi. Beijing Foreign Ministry confirmed Monday that Li would be at the G20 Leaders Summit on Monday and Sunday, on Saturday and Sunday, which ha- which is described as an important forum for economic cooperations. In attending this meeting, Premier Li Chang will convey China's thoughts and positions on G20 cooperations. Pushing for the G20 to strengthening, to strengthen unity and cooperation, and working together to combat global economic and, develop, and development challenges, spokeswoman Mao Ning told a spokeswoman Mao Ning told a regular news briefing.
As one of the announcements meant she would not, would not travel to New Delhi, Mao, Mao said, I have made an announcement about this now, just now. Premier Li Chang will lead a delegations to New Delhi, India to take part in the G20, G20 Leaders Summit. The group of 20 major econom- economies consists of 19 countries and the European Union making up about 85% of global GDP and two-thirds of the world's population. The summit has taken on additional importance this year, as many countries wrestle with high inflation and economic turbulence and amidst slowing recovery from the COVID-19 pandemic. China, the world's second largest economy, has set an annual growth target of around 5%, but has its own problems including weak consumer demands, soaring youth unemployment, and a crisis in the crucial property sector. Ask about she's reportedly not planning to join the gathering in New Delhi. Biden told reporters on Sunday, "I'm disappointed, but I'm going to, I'm going to, um, I'm going to get, I'm going to, um, to get to see him." Without elaborating, she has has attended every G20 summit since coming to power, except Rome in 2021 when he participated by video link. That's still something. It's not like it's nothing, right? She likely ab- like like the absence from New Delhi stands in contrast in his grant. And his grand reception at a key summit of major developing economies last month. The Johannesburg meeting of the so-called BRICS nations, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South, um, South Africa, saw the Chinese leader take center stage as six new countries were admitted into the bloc. Argentina, Ethiopia, Iran, Saudi Arabia, Egypt, and the United Arab Emirates, or UAE, will become full members from January 1st, in a decision that she held as historic. The expansion is, al- is also a new starting point for the BRICS corporations. It will bring new vig- um, vigor and the, and the BRICS corporations mechanism and further strengthen the force for world peace and development, she said at the time. China's long campaign to expand and strengthen BRICS as a counterweight to the U.S. and Western dominance of the world affairs, especially as tensions have grown over technology, trade, human rights, and other issues. Beijing also has a long-running border dispute with G20 host nations, uh, host nation India, with Delhi brawls breaking out along their contested boundary in recent years. I wonder why that he's not going. I'm always thinking what he's trying to hide here, what he's trying to do. There's two final reports we're talking about, and we'll talk more after the break. We'll come back. Four Hong Kong Democrats bid for final appeal against COVID-related convictions rejected by top court. Hong Kong's top court has rejected four pro-democracy figures attempt to lodge a final appeal against convictions linked to breaching COVID-19 social distancing rules during the Labor Day protests in 2020. The Labor Party's Li Chet-Yen who is, currently, who is currently in detention facing a subversion charge, was brought to the court final appeal in a correctional service department van on Monday morning, local media reported. He was joined by, in court by Mak Ching, along with Gong Wing King and Stanley Ho Wai Hong, had applied for a leave to appeal their convictions. 
They were amongst eight people convicted in March 2021 of violating social gathering limits after marching in two groups of four to the government's headquarters in Admiralty as part of a Labor Day protest in 2020. The case was the first trial <clears throat> involving an alleged violations of the limits on group gatherings of more than four people. Along with the Labor Party members, Avery Ng, Raphael Wong, the bold Chunking Singh, and, and long-haired Lung Guoholm of the League of Social Democrats, was sentenced to 14 days imprisonment, with the sentence suspended for, for 18 months. The High Court rejected, it, rejected an appeal against their convictions last October, with Judge Albert Wong withhold, upholding the rulings that the eight were sh- shared a common purpose, and that the two groups were close together, <clears throat> were close to each other, regardless of whether they have maintained a one and a half meter dis- distance. Excluding mm, the other seven, applied for leave to to appeal to the state's highest court, but they were but were denied by the high court. The four Labor Party members then directly filed an application to, for a leave to appeal <clears throat> to the Court of Final Appeal. The pair appeared before permanent judge Roberto Ribeiro, Johnson Lamb, and non-permanent judge Robert Tung, local media report. They were represented by barrister Anson Wong, who argued that there, that there were two points of law of great and general importance. He said the court should consider whether the fact that the groups had maintained one and a half meter distance as decreed by anti-epidemic measures in, in place at the time should be a precondition for conviction and whether the facts that the gatherings, which was already considered banned, uh, considered banned was, peace, was peaceful could amount to a reasonable excuse. Judge Ribeiro called into question whether the issues raised were of importance given that the prevention and control of disease Prohibition, um, prohibition on gathering regulation was no longer part of the law, to which Wong replied that similar regulations could be imposed if another pandemic occurred. The judge disagreed that the two points of law were of great, of great and general importance and rejected the applications to appeal the four defendant sentences. The judgment will be handed down at a later date. On Monday, Lee entered court through an inflatable tunnel after getting out the CSD van, as is customary for defendants who are on remand. While defendants will often photograph entering the tunnel after getting out the CSD vehicle, correctional service officers on Monday set up a gray curtains to cover the gaps, such as Lee could not be seen walking out of the van. Huckabee Press has reached out to CSD for comment. <clears throat> Speaking to reports outside the courtroom, Mark said that he expected the court's ruling, calling it complete denial of freedom of assembly and processions. Before the COVID-19 pandemic began in 2020, Hong Kong would see large-scale Labor Day demonstrations every year with participants from across the political, se- political spectrum. A rally, a rally originally planned for this year's Labor Day was scrapped by Joe Wong, one of the organizers and the former chairperson of the defunct pro-democracy coalition, the Hong Kong Confederation Trade Unions. Another organizers and former Hong Kong Confederation Trade Unions member, Danny To, released a statement saying that Wong had retracted applications for the march, which has yet to receive police approval. This came after the group attempt to organize the march 
released a statement on Facebook that the, that morning saying that Wong has disappeared from his home at 7.30 a.m. <laughs> In a statement, Toh said Wong regained his freedom, but has experienced an emotional meltdown and was under tremendous pressure. The Hong Kong Confederation Trade Unions announced its decision to disband, citing threats to members' safety in September 2021. It was among the 50-odd civil society groups that folded in the wake of the, of the Beijing-imposed national security law. I mean, trying to shut them down for not, for protesting is kind of a it's kind of a you know a double standard kind of thing <clears throat> that the government's been doing. They're not denying that, of course, the judge gives out the judgment. We can't do anything about it. But you have the right to appeal it. Hopefully, they can appeal it. Right? Something in the war. Hong Kong's appeared unfazed over the ban on Japanese seafood following Fukushima discharge. Days after Hong Kong banned seafood imports from 10 Japanese prefectures when the Fukushima nuclear plant began discharging trio wastewater, many Hong Kongers appeared unfazed and some are doubtful about whether the ban was necessary. But restaurants try, <clears throat> try as they might to reassure skeptical customers have still noticed a drop in business. One manager of a Japanese restaurant said Japan's filtration system for the wastewater discharge into the ocean was a relatively safe, feasible, and acceptable practice though not completely risk-free. Our restaurants mainly use fish caught in Hokkaido and Fukuoka, so our supply is not affected by the ban, and the menu doesn't have to be changed, the manager told Hong Kong Free Press in a text message. The, issue, the only issue is customers' confidence. Experts say Japan's release of tree water, wastewater for the nuclear plant does not pose health risks. Earlier last month, the International Atomic Energy Agency granted Tokyo's approval of of um, approval to release the treated water stored in a disabled power station. But Beijing and Hong Kong has expressed strong opposition to its discharge. Jap- uh, Japan's fishing uh, fisheries agency tested fish near the near the release pipe last week, with its trade minister saying data would be published every day in a highly transparent fashion. Tested by Hong Kong authorities found that 1,288 Japanese food samples examined a week after after the import ban last Thursday, over half of which were aquatic products, seaweed and sea salt, were all satisfactory. The restaurant manager said business improved in two days before the, the import ban, but failed thereafter. There it should be left to our visionary, uh, visionary officials to comment on whether the import ban is necessary or reasonable. In the current socioeconomic, socioeconomic situation, businesses and ordinary people can only focus on their own survival, the manager said. Another restaurateur told Hong Kong Press he trusted the IA, IAEA reports that the filter wastewater did not pose any health risks, but businesses at at his restaurants have fallen by 20 to 30 percent since the pan- since the government's banned last week, he said. He f- he said he found it strange that the government had only banned had banned imports from 10 of the 47 prefectures in Japan. Why would imports from the prefectures right next to the 10 banned ones be unaffected? As whether Japan's dumping of wastewater has been politicized, he said the government was blowing out of proportions. It creates worries amongst citizens. Both operators declined to identify themselves or their restaurants. 
Operators of five other restaurants approached this week declined to comment, with one citing political concerns. Last week, pro-Beijing political parties calling the Hong Kong government to widen its import restrictions and ban seafood, seafood products from anywhere in Japan. The proposal to bring local restrictions in line with China's blanket ban on Japanese seafood imports was supported by the Democratic Alliance for the Betterment and Progress of Hong Kong and the Hong Kong Federation of Trade Unions. The Agriculture, the Agriculture Fisheries, and Con- um, Conservation Department also conducted radiological tests on 50 local fish samples, all of which passed the test. Hong Kong Free Press reports approached almost dozens of fishmonger at to markets on Hong Kong Island for comments, but all of them declined to speak. Some Hong Kongers who spoke to Hong Kong Free Press said they were not entirely convinced by the IAEA reports, but would continue to eat Japanese seafood anyway. Tong, a secretary in her late 30s, who usually ate Japanese food once a week, said she believed the war in the South China Sea was, was not much safer. They were dumping nuclear waste water in the Great Bay Area, too, she said, while piling a shopping cart high with, seafood, with sushi at a shopping supermarket on Tuesday evening. You never know. Citing, citing Chinese scrubbing data, Japanese broadcaster NHK reported last week that 13 nuclear power plants in China each released more t- um, tritiated wastewater into the ocean in 2021 than the amount due to the to, the, to be released from the Fukushima plant in one year. Locals raised a nine double standard saying the wastewater at Fukushima has come into contact with the melted radiator cores and could be at very high radiation levels. Another shopper, 30 year old Lung, told Hong Kong Press she was sure that people who ate Japanese seafood would experience adverse health effects, but she herself was not was not um but she herself would not stop. Wong, 26 years old, says he was not worried about eating Japanese seafood import from outside the 10 banded prefectures or seafood that would that would that uh that one would eat on holidays to Japan. Asking people to exercise more caution over the source of Japanese seafood, he said he did not specif- have a specific preference. Holding a Japanese sea urch- um, box of sea, urch- of sea urchins, while, his, while he eyed assorted sashimi platters, Wong described the Hong, the Hong Kong story's move to ban seafood from 10 prefecture as too strict and possibly not sufficiently supported by scientific research. Instead, he thought the ominous should be should be on a consumer to decide whether to buy. I'll still be at ease eating Japanese f- seafood, he added. One person said he would eat less Japanese seafood for the time being, unless there is evidence stating that the effect the effects of pollu- of the pollution is minimal. I think we never tried such a large scale radioactive material sewage operation, so nobody knows what is the real effects are. He told Hong Kong Free Press by text message. I admit, I'm not educated enough to com- co- to comment on this situation. Even the Hong Kong people just thought it's just like, huh? I don't get. Of course, we should be safe. But at the same time, we I don't know if they're overreacting or whatever. But the, but you should realize the Chinese government dump dump waste water more worse than it is on the, than what the Japanese is doing in Fukushima. One final report for today. Even though in the air. Earth- in the air, happy before we took a break. I said two, but we did three. 
There's there's two, and this is the third one, so let's carry on, right? Hong Kong Democratic Party fundraising dinner acts after two restaurants pulled out last minute. Hong Kong's largest Democratic Party has called off a fundraise a fundraising dinner after two restaurants that were meant to host the event pulled out at the last minute, one citing broken windows after the typhoon. Locking hate, the chairperson of the Democratic Party told Hong Kong Free Press on Monday morning that the that the dinner scheduled to take place that evening would not go ahead. The fundraising dinner was initially arranged at a restaurant in Marco in the Marco Polo Hong Kong Hotel in Chimjatoy, but the hotel said last Thursday that it had canceled the party's bookings. It did not get re- give a reason, Law said. The, di- the dinner was then moved to a restaurant called Federal Federal Cruise Banquet Center, located in, in Kaitak Cruise Terminal. But the restaurants informed the party on Sunday that it had to undergo maintenance work due to window broken when Super Typhoon Sala hit Hong Kong on Saturday. We did not try to find another venue, Lowe said. We are already very tired. The Democrat Party has struggled to find restaurants to host its events in recent years. After, after With many refusing the reservations or backing out at the 11th hour in February, the party has, post, has to postpone its spring dinner after three venues call, canceled on them. The last pulled out just two hours before the dinner, citing urgent gas meter maintenance. Last year, a restaurant in Simjatoy's shopping mall that was meant to host a fundraising banquet backed out after saying there was there were COVID-19 cluster nearby. When asked the restaurants, when asked when asked, the restaurant told reporters it was closed for maintenance that day. Other restaurants on the same floor of the mall was operating normally and said they did not hear any hear of any COVID-19 cases in the vicinity. Local media report. Both said around 200 people were expected to attend the Monday night dinner. Hong Kong Press had reached out to both restaurants for comments. The last time that the Democratic Party held a large dinner event was in March 2019, before the protests that year ended the COVID-19 pandemic. Law said he believed the strings of restaurants' cancellation was no coincidence, and that the businesses must be facing external pressure. One after another, the same thing has happened to us, she said. Plus, now the economy is so bad, the restaurants probably don't have don't have good businesses at at night. We're trying to um, invigorate the economy here. There must be some people behind the scene giving the restaurants pressure, Law said. Though he had he had no way of knowing who those people may be. The two cancellations for the Monday dinner came after state-backed newspaper Wenwei Po published an editorial last Tuesday accusing the Democratic Party fundraising dinner of likely being a platform for the party to continue covertly promoting illegal protest-related information. The newspaper said on that surface the party was fundraising to continue operations and the upcoming district council elections, but that in reality the money could be related to raising legal fees for activists charged in the 47 Democrats case. Before 2019, the Democrats' party events were regularly attended by top officials and members of the pro-establishment. Uh, pro-establishment. Then Chief Secretary Matthew Chung and Financial Chief Paul Chen were among those present at the fundraising di- um, diner in 2019. While in 2018, then Chief Executive Carrie Lam donated $30,000 at the event. So I don't know why restaurants would be pressured to be that kind. This is something, it could be governments behind it, you know. 
I don't have evidence to... Well, we don't have proof, of course. We, we don't know it could be the government's doing it. So, the only thing we're proving... Is that the is that the government is trying to make sure that they they don't exist or they don't actually hold any rents whatsoever? So my message to the Democratic Party is that hopefully they continue on doing their things. Hopefully they can able to make the fundraising event. And please stay safe, guys. And thank you for tuning in. If you guys enjoyed the podcast, make sure to tune in every Monday and Friday for our podcast. There's an event coming up pretty soon. There's no podcast for, of course, for today. Since because, you know, Labor Day. And the school is closest and we can't be there. But we will have it next week. We have our, ne- our podcast next week. And we also have our SJ meeting next week. And that's it for today. And we'll talk more next time. This is Team Cal, my radio, signing out. Hope you guys have a great day. Take care. <laughs> At host my radio. It's on on every Monday and every Friday. At host my radio. Welcome to the show. Thank you.